playbook. It's a private practice playbook. Playbook. Hello and welcome. So I thought what we would do uh, on this podcast is to talk a little bit about, you know, somebody had asked me, they said, well, why don't you go back and give some lessons? Yeah, <laughs> like uh, entrepreneurial lessons that you've learned over the years. And I don't know, I was kind of like, well, okay. And, you know, because sometimes when you learn things, they be- it becomes harder to go back and do that. And so I thought what we would do is I'm going to, I'm going to mix in some lessons today, but I want to talk about a concept that will apply to you. And it's kind of about the, you know, I was thinking about the practice owner's brain, you know, I mean, and you know, you've certainly seen where they do these funny things and they show a man's brain and a woman's brain. And for, for whatever reason, as I was thinking about those lessons, I was thinking about the way your brain develops over time. And so let's talk about, and remember, a practice owner is different than a team member. And uh, if you're the spouse of a doctor, that's different than being the doctor. You truly do not understand. And one of the things that is interesting and I think relevant to you is for you to understand how you see the world, you know, which again comes out of your brain and your experience, and what part of that is not correct and what part is. And particularly the challenges, you know, this podcast is about helping to propagate you to be successful or to promote you being successful and to encourage you and to give you some guidance and some wisdom, either aspirationally to have your own practice or to face whatever it is that you're facing. And so when you think about that in particular, you would have to think about your brain. So, you know, so if if I were to just take and draw a circle and start to populate that with what you think about the most, and I'd kind of like you to do that, it will change over the course of your life. So in early my early entrepreneurial days, uh, I didn't have a family. So I didn't think about a family. I didn't have kids. I didn't think about kids. Um, and so that changes. All of a sudden you have a kid. The next thing you know, you're thinking about diapers and kids and college and whatever. Maybe you're not married and so you're not thinking about your wife. But you know, the minute you get a wife, now you, you got to be always thinking about your spouse, whatever it might be. So if, you know, when, when we think about the way, you know, going through the pandemic, it, it sort of played with people's minds a little bit and people shifted what they think about. And the big challenge now is to, you know, sort of understand what was temporary and what was real. And that's very hard for people. But if we take the practice owner's brain, I, I think it's kind of interesting. The, the differences of being a business owner and not being a business owner, you know, one is you have a payroll. That means that every two weeks you have to pay a bunch of people. <laughs> okay. The other thing you have that other people don't have is you got people. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit about the misconceptions of being small. And, you know, one of the lessons I learned was th- there in, in, in inside of particularly practices, there is this, you go into any small practice 
And you will find yourself a doctor who is convinced that small is better than big. And I'll tell you one lesson that I learned. See, if you interviewed most people, they would say, I'd say, well, why don't you get bigger? And they'd say, well, I don't want to get bigger. Why not? And they would answer it, you know, one of a couple ways. They would say, oh, I'm worried about the quality, which is incorrect. Or they'd say, well, if I just get more people, then my life is going to be twice as hard. And by the way, that is a, that's sort of the curse of a small business that you don't realize that it actually becomes easier in many, many ways the larger the business is. And you would only know that if you were talking to somebody who had done both. But if you think about that brain, you know, let's say you have a small practice and you, you know, so we, we extract what's in your brain and so there's this big chunk and it's clinical. So like I know almost all doctors spend most of their time on clinical. And so that means that they go to seminars, they're looking at equipment and they think that you know, if I get really good at technique, it's gonna grow my practice, okay? Well, so the, a large portion of their brain and their weekends is spent working on technique. <clears throat> and look, a lot of value in that just doesn't deliver to the degree that somebody would think so. So, so maybe you've got payroll people, you've got uh, clinical, and, and then certainly there's money, right? So when, when, when you really think about this, what is different about a business owner is that we have to juggle more things and we have to have the ability to shift between major thought processes or functions and not to let any one trip up our education and the other. So the most common thing I'll notice from a doctor is that they will, I'll run through a couple of them. So, so you meet somebody and, and by the way, when you open up a small practice, you will end up with a small practice. I mean, so if you think about the typical office, that's normally what happens. Somebody's scraping together things and you know, they get it together. And what sort of happens is it sort of has a growth spurt and then it starts to sort of plateau. And, the only way it would get bigger is if you took a section of your brain and you said, well, I'm going to keep studying what I need to do to make it bigger. But if your brain, if you've programmed your brain that small is better, then you'll never, you, if I invited you to a seminar on how to take your practice five times larger, you wouldn't come to the seminar. You would instead go to a clinical seminar and learn a technique to do a crown or you know you would do something or you go to a seminar on how to use a, a new piece of equipment but you wouldn't go to the seminar on how to you wouldn't show up to one of my meetings on how to grow your practice five times larger and even if i shared with you how to grow your practice five times larger you'd still because your brain is pre-programmed you'd say well i don't want to do that because i think it's going to be five times more difficult and so when you think about important lessons you learn as an entrepreneur, one of the most important lessons that you want to learn is when you're small, you're almost wrong about everything. And, but it creates this false view of the world. So for instance, and here, I'll give you a couple. So for instance, if I have, like here are some that you'll hear, okay? So, um, Okay, so why don't you make it bigger, okay? And then these are some responses. And so they'd say, oh, 
Well, if I get bigger, I won't be able to maintain quality. So now, if you have that belief, then that's in your brain, then you will do everything to advocate that as a truth, even though it's actually not, even though it's not correct. Okay, more people, more problems. Again, if you think it's right, then you build something around it to protect it and you never discover that you're wrong, okay? Um, I don't know how I would see all the patients, okay? Again, major limitation, right? I don't have the money to invest, okay? So again, see, I could go on and on and on about these false constructs that develop in your brain when you're small. And the reason I want to talk about it like this is because I was hoping that today we could just be very targeted on the fact that you as a human being have got to open up some space in your brain for new possibilities. And that's something I learned very early. And, and I don't know if I had a natural ability or I was just smart enough to know and to listen to other people. And so, and, and what I learned is that the most dangerous thing that can cause your brain to not think about things it should think about is the incorrect conviction about certain things. And usually they're also very judgmental. So for instance, you know, I have, and, and, and you guys have to understand, I mean, I have I've had every variety of practice you can imagine, every aged individual, and I've dealt with this for years and years coaching clients. And so I know you can take a person who has a very closed mind, I mean, and you can open it back up, but there's actually a process to do it. And unfortunately, one of the things that came out of 2020 and 2021 is that we had the greatest amount of isolation that's ever occurred. And if you wanted the script for small thinking, it would always be isolation. So, you know, if you never leave your town and never go to another office, never come and talk to somebody else who's successful, never hear that or share that, you, what you're doing is you're closing your mind off. You know, you're, you're closing your mind off to possibilities. And as humans, we all thrive on hearing from somebody like us, oh, no, 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 you know what? I used to think that too, but here's what I learned. Oh, I used to think that too. Here's what I did, here's what happened. But there are literally a lot of small practice owners who have crafted their own, they've sort of made their own prescription, if you would. You know, during COVID, I told everybody to write a script and keep it in your pocket. And when I think about sort of small practices and the truth about them versus the truth about bigger ones. It's how the owner thinks and what limitations have been put on them. So let's look at a couple of these fundamental things and let's put aside, and you know, it's interesting. If you only went out and talked to people with small practices, they would never tell you to get a big practice. So I'll give you one as an example. Literally the dumbest thing to do that almost every doctor I've ever encountered, everyone who comes to me is in the midst of doing it before they meet me. And I mean, it is clockwork. 
Somebody comes in an event and they have two small practices. And I'm always like, what are you doing? Because they think like, I'd rather have two small ones. So, and they'll even shift time, like it's been half a week here and half a week here. That's literally the worst financial plan you could ever come up with in your life relative to making profit, okay? But yet almost every non-guided individual believes that's the best format. It's actually totally not the best format. It's actually a format for depression. It's a format for high expenses. It's a format for working four or five days a week that you don't want to do and really never getting any rhythm in one location. But I see that get played out all the time. So the question is, if we drew out your brain right now, right? So are you, are you convinced that being big is bad? And, and I really want you to play with that a little bit. And if nothing else out of listening today, if we can shake that loose a little bit, I mean, what if you're wrong? What if everything you think is not correct? And, and, and listen, the truth about how this works, you know, if you were sitting there talking to somebody, you would say to them, well, how do you know? And they'd say, well, I don't know. And then I'd say, well, how can you be so sure of it? And you'd say, well, I just think it's true. Have you ever done it? No. Okay, you're wrong. But you don't always get the opportunity to do that. And when you're in isolation, Remember, your brain is, is the only thing, right? And remember, this is for every human. Now for a practice owner, watch out, because it can be costly, is your brain has an unlimited capacity to deceive itself. So you literally will come up with an idea. You will think it's true when it's not. And what you don't have the ability to do sometimes, even you could learn this, by the way, is to question yourself. And what's funny about a small business, here's what's so bad about a small business. When you only have two or three people, you also never get that perspective that you need. You never get real energy. You know, it's like, and that's, the, that's one of the big differences that's so interesting is our minds have to be freed up sometimes. And when you literally have to do every single thing, you know, if you draw that circle and it's like, okay, you go to Costco and you order the supplies and you deal with all the vendors and you sign the UPS, I'm exaggerating obviously, but really you pretty much do everything. That is what creates the limiting factor. And that's what's so interesting about being small. A lot of small businesses, you have a person who is like, does a lot of things mediocre. And when you start to get big, you start to get the gift of being able to do what you do really well and dividing some of that stress, dividing some of that pressure, dividing some of those things, you know? I mean, I don't, and these are simple examples, but it's like, when it gets to a certain size, I mean, and, and, and it's like the one about opening and closing, right? I mean, when you don't have to worry about opening and closing or you don't have to worry about whether there's supplies or you don't have to worry about whether someone got toilet paper, you don't have to worry. The minute you are freed up of, when you're small, you worry about all the minutia. And imagine, and, and I get it, if you, if you really think big is twice as hard, you can understand why somebody doesn't want to do it. You can understand that literally what they're doing is based on what they're living in. They're saying to themselves, oh my gosh, doubling 
is double this. And that's false, but you can see how it begins to limit the way you think about things. And so, we, you know, even when we think, and, and by the way, most doctors that I deal with are risk averse. So you probably, and you should have had some testing done on this, but most people are risk averse. And so when you combine risk aversion with this phenomenon, and remember, many, many business owners never even get medium sized. They stay small their whole life. And so what I'm trying to tell you is, wait a minute, why do you stay small? Well, you stay small because you don't have a system in place to take your mind and sort of open it up to other possibilities. I mean, and as I talk about it, you know, you might go, Jay, you're making that sound so easy. Well, and, and again, I don't literally mean open it, but, but think about that. Well, you certainly don't know how to do brain surgery, right? I mean, listen, I think I'd make a lot of money if I would just invent a way to say, come on in, we'll put you to sleep, I'll cut your head open, insert something new, and voila, you'll know how to do it. It doesn't work like that. This is just really complex. And every individual, particularly practice owners, have all kinds of what they consider the little unique problems. So they start to think that can't be done in my town. Let me, let me give you one that I think is the best. So, and you gotta remember, I've been doing this a long time. And so I, I like here's one that is, is a small, not, not accurate. Doctor in a small town comes and says, well, we only have one stoplight. Well, you know what I've learned? Those are the best towns. I mean, literally, they're the cheapest to advertise, they're the cheapest to market, they're the cheapest to get people. And I have clients in small towns who get hundreds of new patients a month. And I mean, it's unbelievable. And then you got the person in the big town who can't seem to get any patients when there's a million people within a mile of them. So you say, well, why is that? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's the brain of the individual. Because remember the secret, right? The secret is you get what you think about. And most of us, because life has a lot of distractions, I mean, imagine going into your brain, carving out some space, holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it, holding it, maybe for five years. So if it took you five years to get a big practice, would it be worth it? Yeah, but you'd have to hold that space. So what most people don't realize is they're doing everything the opposite. So like right now, for instance, the telephone is horrible. The telephone is this constant pinging on whatever you're trying to hold in your brain. Your life, patience, people, everything. So, and we're getting more and more accessible, which is having an effect on the way people's brains function. They can't think about anything mid to long term. They're always thinking about what's in front of them, which is very, very toxic when you're a business owner. As a business owner, you gotta be thinking, okay, like I'm always thinking about, hey, 10 years down the road, what am I doing today that's gonna put me in a good place 10 years down the road? 
and you got to fight for that space. So, so what if, right? So, and then, then here's the other one. So you say, I can't afford it. Well, if you say you can't afford it, what, what, what do you mean? Nobody can afford it. But one person goes out, takes the risks, gets the debt, and does it. And another one doesn't. Okay, wait a minute. Somebody builds a building, somebody doesn't build a building, right? Every day, this is what's going on. And I'll tell you, in today's market, you know, I've always really, you know, listen, I know they talk a lot, we're talking a lot about equality, and I think all that's great. But I'm here to tell you that the business world is not about equality. <laughs> I mean, the business world is about the big eat the small. I mean, and it always has been and it always will be. And so the smaller you are, think about that. What if it's the, what if it's bad for you? So for instance, imagine this, a person starts to practice, they're in their 30s, they have a practice in their 50s, 54 is the highest uh, point of expenses, and they never got big, and now they have a financial drain at home, and they're not making a lot of money in the practice, and they under-earn for the next 10 years. So between 50 and 60, they under-earn and end up really having to sell their practice because they don't have any money, and you know what, why that happened? Because they stayed small. Had they, had they gotten bigger, that wouldn't have happened. And, and so, look, I, I don't want to, I don't want to, so what else? What are the other major differences, okay? So, when you think about size, okay, and a lot of times what you think about is scale, and you think about capacity. And I also think, you know, I've been doing a little updating. We're about to update our purpose, our mission, our values uh, going into next year, coming out of COVID, and and part of what I'm teaching our CEO level clients are all gonna have some, you know, just tune up whatever that looks like so it's, it'll last you for quite a while into the future. And, you know, it's funny, as a, as a part of that process, you know, when you have to put it down in writing, it really is challenging, right? It's like what you stand for. Well, when you're small, you don't do any of that. I have never found a small practice that had a mission statement. <laughs> I mean, I've never found a small practice that had written down a purpose statement. I've never found a small practice that had published core values. I've never seen them. But I have seen a small practice who writes them down based on my encouragement and then becomes a big practice. Ready to think bigger? Call Jay's team today for a complimentary practice growth consultation, 770-518-7575. In just 30 minutes, you'll receive one or more ideas on how to grow your business, from increasing new patients and staff engagement to top-line revenue. It'll be your first step in discovering your unrealized revenue and taking your practice to new heights. Become convinced that you can do it, because you can. 770-518-7575. So I was thinking about it almost like the practice owner's brain. So now imagine this, you're a student and you're being told you can't open your own practice, you can't open your own practice. See, your brains are being stifled before you're even given the opportunity. I mean, I could make a separate case. I could tell you that, hey, you're half a million dollars in debt now What's another million and a half to open the practice in the big scheme of things? It's nothing but a payment. 
And I could make it a totally opposite case study for you that would suggest that you should open a practice. Now, again, you could tank it because you weren't ready. That's certainly true. So the question becomes, so, so what I want you to think about is, are you doing the things you need to do to give yourself a chance? So let me walk through some basic thoughts on this. So when I encounter somebody who's kind of had a flat, you know, they're sort of like, they're bored, their things aren't working the way they like them, there's some, you know, it's like kind of these, something's not right, you know what I'm saying? Something's not right. And so what'll happen is a lot of times other bad behavior starts to set in. So it's really, I think it's important to talk about this because all of a sudden, you know, somebody doesn't feel good about their business and the next thing you know, they're having an affair. The next thing you know, they're drinking too much. The next thing you know, they're volunteering too much. The next thing you know, they're at their church. I mean, I've seen all, you know, some, I've seen people at their church too much, right? Guys like, I'm at my church three days a week. I was like, well, how, how does that work? You know, are you, are you the pastor? Or, I mean, you can get, you can take it overboard. And so the question right, thinking about you and how you are putting your brain in the incorrect spots or the correct spots. And so like, there's a principle, right? Here's the mastermind principle. There's one person here, one person here. When we get together, we make a third mind. So again, if I'm never putting myself in a situation or I only put myself in a situation where I have fed the information to somebody, you know, like you'll see that a lot, like a doctor will feed information to their spouse. They'll feed information to their staff and it's incorrect information, but it's actually designed to protect themselves. And that's why, you know, it's funny, the easiest thing to sell, and I have lots of products that can do it, is fix your team, by the way. So if you wanna fix your team, we can fix your team. But what you'll figure out when we go to fix your team is that you've been feeding your team incorrect information. So I think it's important to understand what you're doing, particularly as it pertains to how your brain, the space in your brain is being used is probably gonna dictate what ends up happening with your practice. And the saddest part about this is when a person comes in and tells you that you can't succeed in practice and that you should sell them their practice. And the only way you'll succeed is if you become part of my DSO. Some people, the brain habit is so bad that that becomes appealing to them. So let me walk you through a few of the things that I think and I've done over the years and I think will help you. So number one is exposure. And what that means is you have to get out of the house. You have to get out of your town. I have learned that most doctors do not have so it's why I have, I built two facilities, one in Atlanta and one in Phoenix, and there are places that doctors can go and expand the way they think. 
And I know they can't do it at home, right? So you could come into one of my facilities, pay us for the day, we can make a plan for your practice, and that would be a way of, we call it a blueprint day, that would be a way of opening up and allowing some exposure. You know, if you came in to my team and you said, hey, I'm, you know, I've been in practice for 20 years, I got a million dollar practice, and I want a $3 million practice, you know, we literally could pull a file of a doctor and tell you exactly what you would need to do to move it from one to three, because we've done it so many times. But now, remember, when you don't, when you stay at home, you become convinced and convinced it can't be done. And then you can also do the judgmental thing and you can be like, well, I don't need Jay Geyer's help, you know, because, oh, you know, he, who does he think he is? He thinks he's hot, whatever. See, that's all what I'm talking about. No, the truth is you think you're hot, you know what? So much so that you don't allow the correct information to get into your brain. And then you just create this false world where it's like, oh man, it's great to be small. Oh yeah, I've got seven new patients. You know, it's like, somebody gives me, he's got, I got 10 new patients a month. It's like, okay, well, and you think that's great? Well, I, I do a great work with them. I was like, okay. No, the truth is you charge them a ton of money and that's all you can generate. And it really means something different a lot of times. So let's go back. So one, you got to decide what's going to go in there. And, you know, one of the things I've always tried to get people to realize is, you know, if you become a dentist or a specialist, okay, that's not actually what your business is. It's really not what your business is. I mean, your business is not about doing what you think is the best. It's about doing what the customer thinks is the best. I mean, I have to convert my business sometimes to what the customer wants. This year, I have a huge new initiative on leadership development for my clients because that's what they need, right? I switch it to what they need, not necessarily what I want to do, but what I see that they need. When I've got to switch it to associate training, we switch it to, so, but what I want you to think about is this, is are you, is there a system for you so for, if I said to you, hey, buy a blueprint day, and you say, well, what's that? So get on a plane, go spend a day with one of my team members, they'll look at your 10-year history and chart out where you wanna be in the next 10 years. 2,500 stinking dollars, basically free, okay? And bring your spouse or bring your partner, we'll sit in a room, we'll walk you through a process. Okay, now, the difference between the doctor who is willing to open up space in their mind is they would go, man, I would do that in a heartbeat. That is a no-brainer, right? Because literally they would understand that they cannot get it done in their town. You know, and what are you going to do? Call a friend and ask for free advice? That's ridiculous. So, and there's no one in your town who could tell you what to do. And, ooh. So this is where the brain, you, this is where you've got to pry open the brain and go, wait a minute, that should be the easiest decision ever. So for instance, and what I'm trying to say is when things like that come up for me, I always do it because I know and I know in my mind, if I get one good idea put into my mind, I know how to make that idea become very valuable. And that's the difference between a person who gets this and one who doesn't. It's kind of like, you know, they asked me, maybe I'll do it sometime to talk about picking a a consultant or someone to guide you, you know? 
And many years ago, I said, listen, I, I didn't really want to coach people because I, you know, I just didn't want to, to be honest with you. I just didn't. And I ended up just getting into it and it's fun. And, but there are parts of it, the immovable parts, some of the parts I, I, I can't help, you know. Um, and the most frustrating part of it is the person who thinks that the person giving advice is supposed to do the work for you. <laughs> that's not how it works. And it's funny, and that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about information versus doing it for me. And what, you, what I'm going to encourage you to start doing is paying for more information. So like for me, if I pay for information, I take it more serious. Just like this morning at eight o'clock, I pay my trainer a hundred dollars. I come in with a hundred dollar bill. I'm never late. I always do the workout. I never leave early. I schedule around it. If I just write on the calendar, work out by myself, there are a hundred ways that I could not get in that room at that particular time and not feel bad about it at all. So what you read, so that there is an unlimited, you know, science of getting rich. Um, you know, what a lot of people don't realize as a practice owner, you've got to realize the most dysfunction for small business owners is money and relationships. So when, if you want some help, here's where you need to be getting better. People, money, listening to your customers, patience, not what you want. Relationships, money, how to create value for the customer. What does the customer want? They want to get in and get out. Get them in, get them out. You want to give quality. You think quality is spending an hour. They think getting out in 15 minutes is way better. Who wins? They should always win. But again, if I'm closing off my mind, I'm saying, oh, no, no, no. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And then I'm not going to read into the signs. Listen, we, if most small businesses are going to have lots of challenges with people. So... Again, we have a new reason. So now you say, well, if I get a new person, they're just going to leave me. Well, if that's how you think about them, that's true. No, you get a person and you give them reasons to stay. That's the difference in how we think about it. So look, maybe, so normally the way I look at it is this. I got a calendar. And I can look at that calendar and I can tell whether I am gonna think smaller or think bigger based on what's on the calendar. So if your calendar is get up, treat patients, get up, treat patients, get up, treat patients, your brain is gonna shrink with that activity. So you gotta mix in something, okay? You gotta go to a seminar. You gotta go to the right seminar. You gotta go to, you got to go to a new place. You got to listen to some new people. You got to have a new experience. You got to put yourself in a position to spend time. It's like listening to this podcast. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast if you didn't have an interest, I'm assuming, in growing your practice, right? So 
what's the next level for you? What is it that you can do that's going to put your body and your brain in a place? So, so it's kind of like I have a program we've had for now almost 11 years called 5X. We have been taking practices with clients five times larger. If you want to take your, five, your, your practice five times larger, all you got to do is sign up for 5X. But see, if your brain isn't where it needs to be, you can't even accept that as a real possibility, even though I could show you hundreds and hundreds of clients who have done it. This is the part I'm trying to get you to understand. You know, and what we want to be careful of is these habits we develop. Because if we let them go longer and longer, the older you get, the harder they are to change. So you gotta be a student. You gotta be a lifetime student. You gotta never think you're totally right, okay? The horizon is changing, things move. I mean, the person who thinks they're right, and, and by the way, very different. You know, I watch how judgmental people are, sometimes even with me, about whenever I speak with confidence, you can just see the judgment, right? And you got to know the difference between confidence and arrogance. And it really arrogance is when you think you know something that you don't. Not being decisive about something you know. Like, for instance, it doesn't matter. You could literally be in any town in America or probably in the world and I could double your practice in a couple of years, most. And sometimes much faster. Now, I don't need you to believe that. I really don't. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to see how your brain responds when I say it. Because it's the same practice that you can't double. <laughs> so, so imagine this. So can you get okay with somebody saying that to you or do you just want to shoot the messenger? Are you just like, who does this guy think he is? So you could have had a practice for 27 years that can be collecting $1.2 million. And probably in just a couple years, maybe three or four years, depending on you know, how slow it was, I could, I could double it. And so you could run 25 years against five years with me and I would literally be able to probably get it to grow what it took 20 years to grow in just a few years. Now, so digest that for you. So again, if you're, if you're literally going, I, I don't even know why I listen to this guy. This is ridiculous. Da, da, da. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is, I'm trying to stimulate the limit in your brain. No, you go, I've already tried it. I've already done it. No, no, you haven't. You've actually now become convinced that you can't do it. And what I want you to get is there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing bad about you. You're not a bad person. There's no, you're, you know, this is okay. This is the process we all go through. But we all don't know how to solve it. And the reason you don't solve it or you do solve it is the way you allow your brain to function. And the way in which you maintain an open thought process. And, and what that means is, you know, hey, I don't know what I don't know. I know what'll get me to this level. I don't necessarily know what's gonna get me to the next level. And, and we do it, we get to the next level with people. 
with collaboration. You don't do it by yourself. That's the invitation. You know, I've never done, most of the things I've done, I have done in conjunction with other people, not in isolation by myself. I mean, I do, you know, it's like, I mean, I'm looking to stimulate the brain with new ideas all the time. So you have a special brain. You know, you, you're smart. There's no question in my mind. You, you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't smart. But the question is, have you created a schedule, an environment, a day-to-day -day process that continues to limit you? And you got to get unafraid, unjudgmental, more curious. Uh, you got to expose yourself to some things, to some environments. I mean, that's the community I've built for almost 30 years now. It's a community of people who are saying, look, hey, I'll share ideas with you. We're, we're growing. We're, we're humans. We go through these challenges together. Um, so anyway, so let's take this and let's make sure something changes for you. And I, you know, the only thing I, the warning I would have is that the, the sort of the formula that doesn't work is to think you got advice when it was all free. <laughs> Every research report done about where doctors get their practice management advice suggests that they call someone and ask the question and they get a free answer. And I'm just, I like fundamentally, that is not going to work. And it's, it's almost like limiting your advice to not really good advice. It's taking advice on something without the person having the correct context to be able to continue that advice down the road. And it's also incredibly cheap and short-sighted. And if you put all the people in the world together and you go to all the people at the top of the pyramid who have been successful in whatever form that is for you, if it's, it doesn't matter what the form is, by the way, you will find a person who spent most of their life learning, never thinking they had figured everything out and buying advice at every turn that they could. <laughs> and you do your own studying. And you know, what is funny about a lot of people, you know, I have a lot of clients who I build tons of big practices and some of them don't like to tell other people that I was the person that was behind that because it messes with their ego a little bit. But understand that concept, right? And I'm not the only one who's contributed. Many, many other people have contributed to that. But... And it's also not taking advice from people. You know, I'm always marvel at how people will ask a person. They have no business asking a person for advice. So for instance, like if you went and your friend has a practice that's similar to yours and you actually ask them for advice, that just seems like it's the, to me, that's the worst thing you could possibly do because 
you, you, you were going to get advice at the level where you already are, not at the, what you need. It's kind of like sometimes you, if you want to go somewhere else, you say, well, is this team going to get me to where I need to go? No, you're going to probably need a new team. So please take inventory of how you are processing and allowing your mind to open up to new possibilities and understand that it's not one piece of information, it's the lifelong feed and the source. Think of it like water. I mean, you don't just, I mean, would you just go to a curb, get a cup and go, oh, there's a little water in the curb. I think I'll just pull over, pull up my cup and drink it. To me, this is what we're talking about. No, you're, you wanna know where it came from. You wanna know if it's been filtered, blah, 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 blah. You're trusting the sink, right? But, but like, think about that. You don't just drink random water. And, but yet people will go out and just ask random people advice. And people even where you can see they have no business giving you advice. Like if you're married, why, why would you take, see I think some married people get 50 to 75% of their advice from their spouse and their spouse has never had a payroll, never had a business, has no education in it whatsoever. And I'm sitting there going, why are you taking advice from your spouse? And you know, you may say, well, Jay, that seems so insensitive. It's a marriage. Yeah, it's a marriage, but that does not mean you take, it doesn't mean I'm married, but that doesn't mean I take business advice from my spouse. I can get some insights. She's good at people, and, but I'm not going to go to her for every single thing because she doesn't have experience with that. So right now, where is your number one source? And then I'm always, I'm always amazed that people, you know, listen, I, I've had hundreds of clients come in. I say, okay, what's important to you? And, you know, usually they'll kind of say family. And then some people will say God and some people will say something else. And so, and then that's where they also get confused. It's like, listen, you can have God in your partnership, right? Which is tremendous but you still gotta do this other stuff. It's like, you can just, you could say, you know, well, I'm just gonna pray that my business is well. You can do that. I just don't think that's gonna be enough. You're gonna have to do more. Sometimes you gotta do two or three things. Sometimes things don't work. You try them a different way. So listen, I hope you can take this and you can identify a couple of ways in which you are, so again, what's your limit? You willing to get on an airplane? No, I won't get on a plane. Okay, that's gonna go well. <laughs> Great. I mean, there are people that just the fact they won't get on an airplane is gonna create this incredible limitation for them that they, they can't fully understand or put a number on, basically, if you would. All right, I'm out. I think what we'll work on trying to do is to get another podcast out before the year's out, and we're going to talk about some year-end strategies, which are terribly important, and I'm going to talk about year-end strategies for business owners because your number one expense is tax. <laughs> and so we'll try to touch on some of that uh, by the end of the year. All right. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk soon. Take care. Bye. Speaking of tax strategy, April 15th will be here before you know it. 
Any investments you make in your practice before the end of the year are tax deductible, meaning you can save thousands on your tax bill next year, all while gaining a resource guaranteed to grow your business. Scheduling Institute's Blueprint Day is designed to get you out of your practice to spend one full day focused on your practice with a Scheduling Institute Practice Growth Specialist. In just one day, you will review your practice history to set realistic goals for the next two years, along with a step-by-step -step plan to hit those goals. Call 770-518-7575 today for more information on a Blueprint Day.